0: Good morning. It's wonderful to have uh, one combined service every once in a while. This is a unique Sunday for us. Typically in Advent, we do not uh, get to experience Advent number four on Christmas Eve. This is a unique thing this year. So today, we have the opportunity of celebrating Advent week four and also later on today lighting the Christ candle in recognition of his birth and his coming uh, I want to just recognize, too, as you came in on this beautiful plastic sheeting, as you came in, uh, this is sort of a symbol of all the preparation uh, that it takes uh, to get us to Christmas Eve and this important day here at Hinsdale Covenant. And we just want to thank all of you who have been part of that, uh, literally from the people who laid down the plastic to everyone all month uh, who have supported uh, what's been going on, reaching out to our neighbors and getting us here. We're really, really grateful and uh, It's good for us to come and worship here at the beginning of this day, uh, to be in God's word, to have our hearts filled, and to be reminded of what it is that we celebrate here today. So, Advent number four, we're going to talk about shepherds today. Would you stand for the reading of scripture? It comes from Luke chapter two, verses eight through 20. We're studying angel visitations in the Advent text. We talk about Zechariah and Mary and Joseph, and now the shepherds. This will be a sign to you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone back to heaven, The shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. And when they saw this, they made known what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. And Mary treasured these words in her heart and pondered them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and all that they had seen, just as it had been told them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Can you be seated? To uh, talk about the shepherds, I want to talk about uh, one of my favorite Christmas Advent hymns, which we're going to be singing after the sermon, which is Angels from the Realms of Glory has a, uh, an interesting story. It was penned by a man named James Montgomery. Uh, he lived quite a life. Uh, his parents, uh, in the late 18th century, felt called to be missionaries in far-off Barbados. Um, so they left him in the care of a Moravian settlement in Ireland. They said goodbye to him when he was six, and he never saw them again. Uh, they fell ill. They died on the mission field. So he struggled Throughout his childhood, as you can imagine, he might with grief. He floundered in school, was not a very good student. He dropped out of school by age 11. Uh, there was someone who was who was taking care of him and found him a, an apprentice in a bakery as a baker's apprentice, but he was a miserable failure as a baker. So he ran away at age 12. He bounced from one place to another, and eventually he settled down in Sheffield, England. Uh, when he was 19, he began working for the Sheffield Register, which was a local newspaper. And he was affirmed in his gift of writing. He always loved writing as a kid. And then uh, when the owner of the paper had to flee the country uh, because of some legal issues, he purchased the paper outright. His editorials often spoke to societal issues, social issues that were happening in Sheffield. He would often call out corrupt leaders in their town. And the most important thing that he wrote about was the gospel and world missions. His convictions were not popular with the local authorities nor the, nor the people initially in Sheffield. He was thrown into jail on two different accounts for some of the editorials that he wrote. But he scratched and clawed his way to survival and even respectability in Sheffield and ended up having a great influence there. At age 45, early on Christmas Eve... Like today, he went to scripture and he read the text that we just read in Luke chapter 2. And he was mesmerized by the image of the heralding angels to the shepherds. And he took out his pen and he began to write a new poem for that Christmas Eve. And eventually it was set to music. And that song was sung for the first time in 1821. The words that he wrote capture the glory of the moment in the fields outside of Bethlehem. And I'd like to use a couple verses of this carol, this lovely hymn, to help us get into our text this morning. Verse 1 goes like this. Angels from the realms of glory wing your flight o'er all the earth. You who sang creation's story now proclaim Messiah's birth. Uh, We've been studying these angel visitations in the Advent texts, and this one is pretty different than the other three that we've already studied. Uh, We've been looking at individual uh, visitations, right? Gabriel shows up to Zechariah, and Gabriel shows up to Mary, and an angel appears to Joseph. And this one starts sort of similar to those other visitations. There's an angel who appears to a group of shepherds that are in the fields outside of Bethlehem, and they are frightened. Kind of normal from what we've already learned about these angel visitations. The angel reassures, says don't fear. Again, kind of normal. And proclaims the good news of Jesus' birth. This is pretty standard so far, right? It's not all that different from the other visitations except for this. It says that the glory of the Lord from this angel shone all around them. That's new. What does that mean exactly? Not totally sure what that means. But it does echo the language in the Old Testament book of Exodus when Moses is allowed on a couple different occasions to see or to be in the presence of God's full glory. There is a bright light and a radiance of that glory that is so holy that Moses is only allowed to see the backside of God because he is concerned that if he sees the fullness of his glory, surely he's going to die. That's how amazing this radiance is. And it seems like there's some sort of similar radiance here that's being experienced in the fields outside of Bethlehem. A holiness that is more than just disarming, it's actually devastating for these shepherds. So maybe you're asking, why would this angel who comes to visit the shepherds, why would this angel radiate in a way that Gabriel does not in the other passages that we've already studied? I mean, it's possible that the gospel writers just don't include the radiant appearance of Gabriel. They simply kind of forget it. But I think it makes a lot more sense to see that this is a sign that this appearance is different from the other appearances because it's even more special and it's more consequential. This is supported by the fact that after the angel proclaims that the Messiah is born in Bethlehem, tells these shepherds the good news, it tells us that this radiant angel is joined by an entire host of other angels worshiping with one voice. Clearly, this is different from Zechariah's or Mary's or Joseph's visitation. This is, not, uh, this, this is not what they see. They don't see the host of angels. And I think it's different because the moment of Jesus' birth was so consequential, so momentous, that the fullness of heaven breaks through in this field of shepherds, and they're given a glimpse of God's true glory. It's as if the the birth of Jesus was so important to to the entire world that the line between heaven and earth simply couldn't hold God's glory anymore. Now, later today, we will have some beautiful angels up here. We're going to call the host of angels. They're going to come down. They're going to stand up here. But when the text tells us that there was a multitude of heavenly hosts, it's talking about the full complement of angels. Millions upon tens of millions upon hundreds of millions, all joining together in one voice. Now that is a pretty big choir. I think that'd be pretty impressive, right? Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. This text is partly why I said several weeks ago that the primary job description of angels seems to be worshiping God all day, every day, with everything that they have. Because this is the most clear view that we get into the angelic realm in Scripture and, and the heavenly host singing. That's what they're doing, right? When we, get a, when we get a peek into this, they're singing. It doesn't show them going to war. It doesn't show them spying on humanity below. It shows them worshiping. In this way, I think the angels in this text model that the correct response to God's good work, is to worship. When God does something amazing in your life, in and around your life, the correct response is worship. I remember when I received my first job out of seminary right here in this church. We're in our apartment in Chicago. I hung up the phone, told Katie the good news. We got down on our knees, and we praised God. The response of worship. I remember when our boys were born, we praised God right there in those rooms. We worshiped. When we received our adoption match for our daughter, we were, on phone, we were on the phone states away from one another. We were worshiping over the phone together for this amazing news. When we received her into our arms for the first time, we worshiped God through tears. There have been dozens or maybe hundreds of, of other times When something much more normal, less consequential has happened, and we've been on our knees. We've been praising God, sometimes in tears, praising him for his provision or his goodness. I think that there would be something wrong with me if something good, beautiful, consequential, important happened, and I didn't respond in worship. Let me give you a little illustration. How many of you have someone in your family that's just really hard to buy a gift for? Um, I have a nephew uh, who I love dearly, um, and I really wanted to nail a Christmas gift because he's hard to buy for. So I asked my brother, what would be a good gift? a few years ago, and he said, "You just get him this one record on vinyl. He's been looking for it forever. If you get this, he will lose his mind. It's going to be amazing. And so I did. And when he opened it up, I was expecting this frenzied response. Instead, I got, oh, cool. And then he set it aside and started doing something else, right? Now, he gets a pass. He gets a pass. He is a teenage boy, not always the most emotionally astute or available demographic that there is. Um, (laughs) But when God does something amazing, when God gifts us in a special way, how do you receive it? How do you receive it? oh, cool, God, on to the next thing? Or do we receive it by falling on our knees in worship? Do we close our eyes and say, thank you, Jesus? The angels model worship as a response to God's work, and it's a model that I think we're called to follow. So if God organizes his angels in such a way that they worship him all day, every day, with vigor and purpose because his holiness never, ever runs out, Do you think that maybe we ought to follow suit? At least in some way, be like those angels? I think so. I think so. Verse 2 of this hymn turns to the shepherds. Shepherds in the fields abiding, watching o'er your flock by night. God with us is now, that should say now, is now residing. That's a bad typo right there. (laughs) God with us is now residing. Yonder shines the infant light. Um, the shepherds serve uh, as a model for us as well. Uh, you might have learned stuff about these shepherds over the years through sermons or, or books, things that you, you read, or, which essentially boil down to these guys were low class. They were stinky. They were despised people. And yet God sees fit to share the good news with them first. Um, There's a little bit of truth in this, in the sense that their job was a dirty job. Uh, It was a smelly one. They were not always viewed as ritually clean because of their close association with with these animals. But otherwise, this is actually not a fair characterization of these particular shepherds. Um, it's, It's also not true that they were the first to hear about the birth of Jesus. I hear that all the time. Mary and Joseph received Jesus first. Um, And his birth had been announced to many, many people. We talked last week about Matthew says that that everybody in the Judean hillside was talking about this thing that was going to happen. But the shepherds were the first ones to come to the manger to see Jesus. That's what Scripture tells us. Why is this significant? Well, um, I think it's significant because these were not low-class, despised shepherds. Um, Most first-century shepherds were very low-class um, they didn't have a good standing in society, but these were a different kind of shepherd. The shepherds we read about in this text were actually fulfilling temple duties. We know this because of a, of a writing called the Mishnah. The Mishnah. The Mishnah is a group of documents that record oral traditions um, that governed the Jewish people during the time of the Pharisees in the first century. And one of its regulations in the Mishnah says that uh, it expressly forbids the keeping of flocks of sheep throughout the land of Israel, except in the vast wilderness. And only flocks otherwise kept would be those for temple services. For temple services. So the shepherds in the fields surrounding the town of Bethlehem were not out in the wilderness. That's not the wilderness where they are, where regular sheep were kept. So these shepherds, then, were not regular shepherds. They were actually employed by God's temple in Jerusalem. In fact, several scholars believe that these shepherds themselves were Levites, meaning they were those who were set apart for for various temple functions and and maybe even lower-level priesthood because the sheep that were in this field were not for general raising. They were for... Uh, raised to be sacrificed at the Passover. And it was the priest's job to make sure that the, the sacrifices that came for the Passover, that these lambs were without blemish. They were completely unharmed before being sacrificed. So they were kept in a special field by special shepherds who were Levites. And these shepherds, they stayed in the fields continually. They never left the fields. So they most likely were quite dirty. Yes, that's true but they were not a group of poor shepherds. Their service as temple leaders um, elevated their social status. They had an important job, and their job was raising spotless lambs for the Passover sacrifices as well as various sacrifices for other Jewish worship gatherings. So it's less, I think, at least in this story, that the angels show up to the most despised and the most lowly, but rather that the angels show up to shepherds with a message that these shepherds are going to understand in a unique way, a message that is going to really change their life. Though the shepherds weren't fully aware of what was happening, the angel was hand-delivering a message telling them, basically, that the time of animal sacrifice was nearly over. And they were the first to know. When the angel says, For there is born to you today in David's city a Savior who is Christ the Lord. If it's indeed true that the Messiah was born that day, that the Savior of the world was now here, that meant that a time was coming when sacrifices were not going to be necessary anymore. They didn't understand, obviously, at this point that Jesus was going to grow up into a man who would become the perfect sacrificial Passover lamb on the cross without a single blemish. But they did know from their texts that the Savior of the world, the Messiah coming, meant that there was going to come a time very soon where sacrifices were going to be a thing of the past. So I think the shepherds model something for us as well. And that is that knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior transforms us changes us for these shepherds it would eventually transform their entire reality they would no longer need to do the job that they were currently doing it wouldn't be necessary anymore it changed everything for them so I want to ask you the question of uh, that that I want you to ask yourself and I want you to ask it sincerely if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ Has it transformed your life? Has it changed you? Has it shifted your priorities or your motives or your desires? Has it caused you to change a job or change a relationship or change your spending or change your language? When I really started to get serious about Jesus in my life as a teenager, I became aware immediately that some stuff was going to have to be transformed in my life. I needed to let go of some friendships that were not only not encouraging of my faith, they were downright discouraging to my faith in Jesus. I was convicted that I hadn't been honoring God with my speech. I even became aware that I might need to consider a new path for my adult life and my career to align more with God's gifts for me and his purposes for me. It was a real transformation. I cherish that when I think about that. And if the reality of Jesus in our lives doesn't change and transform us, then I think we really do have to ask the question, have we really received him fully? The shepherds are transformed at the birth of Jesus. Their whole lives are transformed. And we should be transformed in many of the same ways. Okay, lastly, the tagline that we get to sing, come and worship. Come and worship. Worship Christ the newborn king. Let me read for you again the wonderful response of these shepherds to this angel visitation. It says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds looked around and said to one another, let's go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that's taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. And when they saw this, they made known what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. And Mary treasured these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, just as it had been told them. So these Levite shepherds run with haste to confirm that which the angel has told them. Uh, This was actually a really foolish thing to do, if you think about it. Because what are they leaving behind? (laughs) They had a job in the field to watch these sheep. Sheep are not that smart. To keep these sheep clear from from danger so that they would be without blemish, so that they could be useful in these these temple sacrifices. It appears that they abandon their job, which is super-duper important, because they expect to find something that is even more important. They find Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger, The text has already told us that Jesus was wrapped in bands of cloth. Sometimes that's translated as swaddling clothes, you'll hear that. Bands of cloth is actually a better translation, um, and it's actually kind of fascinating. There are several scholars who make the case that these were priestly garments. There's a tradition that in the temple, bands of the priestly garments would be cut off and woven together to make clothes for um, babies who would grow up to be priests. But they were also made for certain baby lambs so that they could be wrapped and protected and kept from blemish. So here Jesus is wrapped in the priestly garments perhaps given to Mary by Zechariah and Elizabeth. Here's Jesus, the one who will be the perfect spotless sacrifice for all humankind. Yes, these shepherds were amazed to see that. This response by the shepherds Models for us that the good news of Jesus may cause us to do some foolish things. If you're looking for a highly rational and sensible religion to follow, following Christ might not be for you. These shepherds foolishly leave their sheep behind to worship Jesus. They foolishly tell everyone that they can about what they've seen. That might affect their job status a little bit, by the way. Following Jesus might cause you to do some foolish things as well. You might find yourself changing jobs because you feel God is leading you to do so. You might find yourself giving a lavish and extravagant gift that you really can't afford out of the overflow of your heart for all that God has done for you. You might find yourself taking in a stranger into your home because you recognize the ways in which Jesus has rescued you and taken you in as family. You may find yourself crossing a perceived barrier to share the good news of Jesus with another person or loving the unlovable or touching the untouchable. If you feel a holy compulsion to do something that doesn't make a ton of sense, it is often God who is behind such impulses. Remember, Paul in 1 Corinthians says that God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He also calls himself a fool, an idiot for Christ. Can you say the same? I think it's kind of appropriate that John Montgomery penned this beautiful hymn, Angels from the Realms of Glory, because he was captured by this text. Of the angels proclaiming the birth of Jesus and the shepherds running to the manger to find him. It causes worship to well up inside of him, despite a life of difficulty. Think about it. Orphaned, homeless, hopeless, aimless, jailed, ridiculed. In a secular society that deeply loathed his religious poems and writings, he did something that was kind of foolish, he wrote a poem encouraging the general public, any and everyone, to come and worship. Come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn king. In that same spirit, we're going to take our offering this morning and we're going to sing those words as well. So, I'll invite the ushers to come forward And let's sing these words that we've just spoken about as we remember the story of the angels and the shepherds.